Investment advisory services provided by Creative Financial Designs Incorporated. Securities are offered through CFD Investments Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. 2704 South Goyer Road, Kokomo, Indiana, 46902-795-453-9600. Christian Wealth Management, LLC, is not affiliated with CFD Investments Incorporated or Creative Financial Designs Incorporated. And welcome back to the Christian Wealth Management Podcast here with your host, Nathan Carroll. Really excited for today's episode. We're going to be talking a little bit about one of my good friends, uh, my the best man at my wedding, and kind of his financial journey and how faith influences his finances. Uh, it's going to be the start of a little bit of a series that we're doing where we're just bringing on people to talk through what they've been through in their life financially, faith-wise, and just hear from them and, and just try to be able to clean wisdom from them and their situations, what they've gone through. So today, like I mentioned, he was the best man at my wedding. We were roommates for five years in and shortly after college before I got married. He's got an incredible testimony. He is a fiance, soon to be married. Uh, he is the board member at his church. I shouldn't say the board member, a board member <laughs> at his church. Uh, and above it all, just a, a man of God. So uh, welcome on for the for the first time, my my buddy, my friend, Tyler Mather. And Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on here and get to chat with you during the workday. Yeah, nice little way to spend some time in your Tuesday morning. Definitely. We record on Tuesday morning. So for me, this is, you know, on the clockwork. So for Tyler, gets a little bit of chance to get away from the office. <laughs> uh, Tyler, I, I guess you could talk a little bit about what you do. You, you work in computer science, do website code. Yeah, I do software engineering, mostly website stuff. Uh, been pretty blessed with that over the last few years. So things, things are great on the work front. Good. Well, good to hear that. I guess from there, we can just kind of jump into a large portion of, I think, since I've known you, your financial testimony, which was, you know, you're working in software engineering, you went to college to get your degree in computer science, but you didn't have a lot of help when you went to college, didn't have, you know, a ton of, you know, didn't have a full ride scholarship or anything. So you talk a little bit about kind of your journey going to college, paying for college and what that looked like for you. Yeah, so when I when I came, I, I came from out of state, from North Dakota. Um, I got the the gym scholarship, which waives your out of state tuition. So super super blessed that that worked out. Because mm -hmm. if that wasn't an option, who knows if I would have made it made it to Boise. Uh, but my yeah, my parents were um, supportive, but not on the paying for college side of things. Right. So that put that burden on me, you know, that basically leads to student loans. Um, I have a coworker who worked full-time and went to school and paid for it out of pocket. That is insane to me. His work ethic is just very admirable. I don't think most people are like that. So yeah, student loans for all four years, you know, the first year is extra expensive because you're staying in the dorms, mm -hmm. buying a meal plan so that you can eat. Uh, so that's that's a big burden and you just you don't feel that as a freshman um you, you really don't feel it i think for the first couple of years 
how much money you're borrowing. You really uh, don't feel the weight of that until you start thinking about paying it back. Right. And so talk, I mean, if you're comfortable, talk particulars. Like how much did you take out in student loans? For four years, I was right around 50000 in student loan debt. Slightly slightly below that maybe, maybe like 49000 Okay. Um, yeah, like I said, a lot of that's from living in the dorms because those years are just crazy expensive. Right. Um, I got the GEM scholarship, which waived out of state. And then I did get one other scholarship, which totaled $4,000 over two years. Okay. I believe. And at the time I was like, you know, filling out the application for that. And I was really frustrated. I was like, ah, you know, this isn't worth my time. Right. Like it's only, you know, $2,000 twice. (laughs) How wrong I was in that moment. Like I'll take anything that cuts down on what I have to pay back. It ended up being, you know, a blessing to have that opportunity to get that scholarship and apply that to apply that to off the total. Yeah, well, and, you know, when you talk about $2,000 in the scheme of college and tuition and all those things, it's like, ah, whatever, it's $2,000. But then when you talk about that in the scheme of what you're paying back from what you've earned, you're like, dang, $2,000 over two years is significant. Um, I think there was one year, too, where I was getting my, I was filling out my student loan application and they gave me like a thousand extra dollars than what I needed. And me as like a, you know, immature sophomore or whatever in college was like, oh yeah, an extra thousand dollars, you know, and I ended up spending on, spending that on whatever, instead of just rolling that right back into the payoff. And so, you know, it's good in the moment because you have an extra thousand dollars, but you're paying that back plus interest once you get out of school. So in hindsight, not the best decision. Right. And I do want to talk about you. So you said about $49,000 when it was all said and done. How long did it take you to pay off at $49,000 in loans? So I started paying off my loans while I was still in college. Uh, I got an internship that paid pretty well, so I was able to make some small payments. Once school ended, I was able to knock out, by that time I think it was, probably about $44,000 in 18 months. Okay. Um, so pretty quickly. Granted, you know, there's there's so many blessings in that um, that it, it wasn't just my, my grit that made me through, <laughs> got me through that portion of life there. Definitely. And, and we understand that any money earned isn't really on our own doing, right? It's, it's from the Lord and in some aspect, you know, he is our provider, not only in our food and our shelter, but in our financially in the, in the practicals. But uh, a large reason of why I wanted to bring you on and and talk to you was because $44,000 paid off over 18 months is significant. It's exceptional for a lot of people. Uh, But on our last podcast, we talked about kind of the big picture of Dave Ramsey's baby steps. And the second baby step is getting out of debt, except for your mortgage, including your student loans. And I think for a lot of people, it can be such a daunting number. And for you to be able to knock out that number that for a lot of people might take 10, 15, 20, 25 years, you knocked it out in 18 months. I wanted to talk a little bit with you about the psychology that went into that the diligence that went into that and kind of 
you you came to college with a game plan. So you knew what you were going to do, how you were going to pay off your debt before you ever stepped foot at, on Boise State, right? Actually, no. Um, freshman year of college, my parents had gone through Financial Peace University and called me and were like, hey, this was really cool for us, changed our perspective, you should take it. Like, you know, A lot of it is based around uh, managing money as couples, but mm-hmm. they were like, this would be great for you to take now. And so I took it off campus my freshman year, and that really... I mean, that was a catalyst. That w- That's what allowed me to make a game plan, get in the headspace of wanting to pay off that debt, uh, and really, really have that, that grit to do so. Mm-hmm. so. So talk a little bit about kind of what your game plan was from Financial Peace U. What, you know, because I, I remember at some point, probably sophomore, junior year, you had you had the spreadsheet laid out of, you were like, hey, I'm going to have my student loans paid off. I think the the plan you had had at that point was like within three years. And even that sounded crazy to us. It was like, dang, you're putting, you know, 15 grand a year towards your student loans. That's exceptional. So talk a little bit about coming out of financial PCU, out of the Dave Ramsey program. What, what inspired you, what your game plan was? So I made a spreadsheet that had a breakdown of what I thought I might be making once I got outside of school with my first job. So I went, you know, low end, middle, high end, and calculated out taxes, estimated my expenses, uh, and tried to figure out, like, if I was being really aggressive, how quickly could I pay this off? Um, one of the benefits you have in college is you're living on a, most people, living on a college budget. You're like, you know, money's pretty tight once you're off campus, you're paying for rent, uh, you know, you're paying for your own food, um, you're living this lifestyle with roommates, um, so you have a lot if you stay in that, you have a lot of disposable income once you graduate and get into your career mm-hmm. if you stick with that lifestyle. So I made the spreadsheet. Um, you know, On the low end, it was going to be like five years. On the high end, it was going to be like two or three years. And um, that made me really excited. I was like, okay, I can absolutely live the life I'm living now for an extra three to five years to be you know, financially free and free of this burden of this student loan debt. Um, and, and so that's what, that's what sparked it was crunching the numbers and seeing that it was possible and that I was willing to make the sacrifice to do that. Mm-hmm. And so talk a little bit more about that sacrifice that time. Because I remember when you were in college, you were working... 20 hours a week, you know, school full time. And then obviously you had your other extracurricular activities. You were president of the ping pong club and <laughs> spent a lot of time with, with us roommates. So to, to go from the kind of that lifestyle to making pretty good money, you know, not exceptional money. It's not like you came out making 150 grand or anything crazy, but you were making much better money than you were in college, but staying at that level so that you could pay off the debt. Just talk about kind of the, the psychology of that and the, the discipline that that takes. I think the biggest thing is never, I never gave myself a, a cheat paycheck, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, you know, I set up direct deposit. This is going straight into a special account and out of this special account, I'm going to once a month take it and you know, make a large lump sum payment on my 
on my debt. And by doing that, it never really felt like I had that money. Um, from the beginning, I was just committed to, to that process. Uh, you get, I think you get tempted, especially by the idea of buying a house. I think that's probably the biggest temptation is, you know, why would I, you know, why would I write these checks for a couple thousand dollars at the end of the month to pay down my student loan debt when I could be you know, putting this in a savings account and hopefully working towards a down payment on a house. Um, so of all of the temptations, to me, that was the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I wasn't concerned about like, I want to go on vacation or I want to buy these fancy things that that wasn't an issue for me. Uh, so you know, I think I got pretty lucky that I was able to fully change my mindset as a freshman um, and be committed to the process. And you know, once I was in it, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to see this through to the end. Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about financial peace. You, that's something I think if you're someone who became a client of ours through the Dave Ramsey program, through the smart Vester program, a lot of them have gone through financial peace. You uh, talk a little bit more about what financial peace you is. You talked a little bit about how it, it, gears towards couples a lot and how to work with finances in a in a marriage but talk about how even for you as a 19 year old college student it was very applicable and had a profound impact on you interestingly enough when i when i took that class as a freshman i would i was like in a dormant christian phase i wasn't even i wasn't even active in my faith and so that that element of it that he he brings into the course um wasn't even on my mind at that time right but which because at that time you weren't you were you grew up catholic yeah grew up catholic um never super duper uh into it and you know college fell out of it basically completely right uh, and had to sort of rediscover my faith or maybe discover it in the first place and i think my parents gave me a good foundation but i had to kind of go on the journey myself uh, which didn't happen until later in college, but you know, financial peace was awesome for me. I was I was in a room with a bunch of people like twice my age at the time, and so uh, there was a lot of questions like, "Why are you here?" Um, what why my parents sent me was there was a, a specific slide that basically said, "You know, if you are twenty two and you uh, put away." I think it was only like $2,000 a year or something like that. If you put that away in an investment account and you do that for 10 years uh, and then you never touch it again, when you reach like 60, you'll have like almost $3 million or something like that. And I could have the numbers, I could have the numbers all wrong, but it was, it, it is, it was a small yearly investment uh, that paid off massively at retirement age because mm-hmm. you start so young. And so my parents saw that and they were like, Tyler, you gotta, you gotta do this. Uh, so that was, that was cool going through the course and kind of seeing that and understanding at a basic level, how much time makes a difference and how much mm-hmm. making good financial decisions now can set you up for, um, you know, a, f- a financially free future. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, you know, they talk a lot. Dave Ramsey talks a lot about debt, um, and one of the illustrations that stuck with me through that course was that our our society today runs on debt. Mm-hmm. He had up an image of these different buildings. It was like a house, 
Um, and he got the house is this much debt. And he kept going. And, and like the last image was a stadium. And the stadium had you know, some bank owns the naming rights to the stadium. And then the, the weight of the, con- of the conversation was this was all paid for by your debt. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, that is that is mind blowing. And so true that we as consumers take out all of this debt and you know, we're paying for these stadiums and these skyscrapers in big cities. And I'm like, I need to, I want to be better. I want to try my best to, you know, limit the debt I take out so that instead of me allowing for stadiums and skyscrapers to be built, I can provide a good life for my family and not be stressed about money. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a uniquely American issue too. And this is something I've talked with about like with my wife or with friends, but there's some things we do in America that are very uniquely American. There's a lot of things we do in America that are very uniquely American. And and a lot of people, when you say something like that, they go to the kind of more obvious on the nose places like, Oh, guns, other places. And and then that's certainly true. But uh, the, the two things that always stand out to me financially, one is tipping. I remember when I went to, I went to Europe when I was younger and like, if you're in Germany, you, you don't tip. That's not a thing. It's just not culturally what they do over there. And that's how most of the rest of the world is, especially to the the level that we do. I feel like now, I don't know if you've noticed this. Now you'll go to a coffee shop and their preset tip options are like 25%, 30 yeah, 35%, crazy. like a 25% and 90% of the world just doesn't exist. Like that's not a thing. That's a quick aside. But the other part of it is debt. And I was trying to do some research to to find the particular data, and I, I had some trouble finding it. But I know, like, even in Germany, the amount of people that have credit card debt in Germany um, is so much lower than it is in America. Because in Germany, like German culture, debt is just not a thing. Like, if you can't afford something, you you don't buy it. I did find one statistic that was only half of, a, of Germans even own a credit card half of Germans that are, you know, adults, I should say half of German adults own a credit card. I, I don't know what the American number is, but if you, I just think about my friend group and the people I know, it's certainly more than, than half. So even little things like that, uh, so uniquely American and especially something like student loan debt, uh, that obviously you went through and you paid it off and you've put yourself in a, a good position now. But, um, yeah, was there anything else you wanted to touch on with the Dave Ramsey program? Uh, debt and your just kind of philosophy your experience with debt I think it's it comes down to just the psychology of it to for yourself what are you willing to sacrifice with your current lifestyle to achieve your future financial financial goals mm-hmm. it's really easy to be in the moment and say oh I got this bonus or I got uh, you know I'm making good money I'm gonna go out to eat more i'm gonna buy more expensive branded shampoo all the time um you know which may only be a few extra dollars but that adds up when you apply that logic to every aspect of your life Uh, so you have to you really have to figure out you know what is what is it that i'm that i want for my future for my Mm -hmm. family's future and what am i willing to do to achieve that and if if you're able to put yourself in the right mind space 
I think there's lots of directions you can take to arrive at the same goal. You know, I, I had sort of the modified Dave Ramsey approach um, and there's you know plenty of other options out there, mm-hmm. but that's something that really resonated with me and allowed me to, to push through and make it happen. Right. And I think that just to, to kind of build on that idea, right. When you're willing to set aside that money essentially for your future or, you know, and to pay off the debt or if you're debt free saving for your future, saving for retirement, really what it is is it's making the decision for setting yourself up in the long run. And it's a, a completely spacing on the word. Um, but essentially it's uh, in the same way that like as Christians, you know, we're supposed to read our Bible every day. We're supposed to pray every day. We're supposed to worship every day, right? Those are practical things that, that we're supposed to be diligent in. I think that taking money, saving it, investing, whatever it is, but essentially saving it and putting money aside and saying, Hey, I'm going to defer what I want now for providing for what I'll need in the future. It's such just a practical way to be able to set yourself up for, for life success. I had one person I spoke to recently who we were just talking about finances and, um, you know, working with him, I won't go too much into detail, but essentially he said, there's really two things I fear in life like two major things i fear in life that i feel like i can control it's like the first one is prison it's like i don't ever want to have my freedom taken away and, and we went into to depth on that which is a another story for another time but the second one was i don't want to be a burden on society i don't want to be 72 and completely incapable of taking care of myself i don't want to be at a place that i'm flat broke when i'm 72 and I have to try to find a way to work or rely on other people. And so for, for him, he had that innate fear. But I think it's, it's uh, it presents the idea that I think is applicable for almost everyone, right? Like we understand now that I, I think a lot of times when you're in your 20s or 30s, you feel a little bit invincible. Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to live like this forever. But it's acknowledging that, hey, at some point I'm going to slow down. I'm not going to be able to live the life that I'm leading and I need to prepare for that day now. So um, anyways, just some, some overarching thoughts kind of on. Yeah. D- delayed gratification is just dead, I feel like, amongst amongst Americans who are young and coming out of college and trying to figure out what to do with their life. We've somehow communicated this message that like, oh, you should get married later. You should wait as long as possible to have kids because once you have kids your life is over and all of these really weird ideas that I are just detrimental they're, right. they're detrimental to to your future it's like the you just want everything now you think you think your best life is only now and would never be in the future so why even consider the future right and that has so many implications one of you know one of which being finances like I, I will go on this vacation. I will put it on a credit card and then pay for it for the next twenty years. Right, and I'm okay with that because I, you know, I'm in my twenties and my life will only be good in my twenties, so I can justify that decision. Right, and it's, I mean, it's really in some sense a anti-biblical kind of cultural issue, um, you know, because if you think about the Bible you talked about in particular, 
travel now. Don't worry about the future. Don't delay gratification because when you get married and have kids, your life is over. But you look at it from a biblical perspective. One of the first commands God gives us is be fruitful and multiply, right? That's one of our primary tasks. And then pretty much the foundation of the New Testament and of life with Jesus is, hey, use your use your body, use your time on this earth as a living sacrifice to God. And in return, you'll receive eternal glory in heaven, right? And it's the idea that, hey, on earth, we can make the ultimate way of, I guess, delayed gratification in living our lives for Christ so that we can have the ultimate gratification when we die. So the world has completely spinned this, the culture has completely spinned this into the the opposite idea of, hey, nothing in the future is worth it. You have to live your life now. Um, and, and that kind of leads me into the question of this overarching podcast series that we're working on is essentially how does your faith influence your finances? How does it influence your financial decisions? And um, I think we probably got to the root of it a little bit, right? You, you made the decision for delayed gratification and in, in paying off the debt that you had so that you can now live in freedom, no longer be a slave to your debt. Uh, but Tyler, just talk to us a little bit more about how your faith has influenced your financial decisions. So a big one for me, part of, you know, part of that excitement and motivation of paying off my, my student loan debt was to have the extra money to like really tithe and really set money aside for, uh, for giving Mm -hmm. and giving such a huge part, like something we're so called to do. Um, and so it was really exciting for me to get rid of the student loan payment and intentionally decide what I was going to do with all of that new income that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, then you take your percentage and you put that, I put that in a separate account. Part of that goes to my church and then part of that sits there. And, you know, when I feel called, when I feel a conviction on something, then um, you know, I use those funds to, uh, to help with that. Um, and so that's been really awesome. Um, you know, it, 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 it feels good. Um, but it's, it's also our calling. And I think when it comes to just debt in general, um, if all of your extra income is going to a payment of some sort, credit card, you know, your, your house, your, your student loans, your cars, then if, if God comes to you and says, like, I have, I have a mission for you. I have something that I want you to do. And, and there's a financial aspect. If you're tied up in all of these other things, you know, you won't be able to respond to that calling, um, with nearly the amount of effectiveness um, versus if you were financially free and, and right. had that as, as a, as a plan. And so it's, it's another, uh, um, future looking idea because maybe you're not, maybe you don't feel convicted to do something like that at this time. Uh, but maybe you will in three years, five years, 10 years, and it'll be something big. And it, it's something that, you know, you feel so strongly about and you want to be able to do that. Right. Um, but you're you're in the shackles of debt it just won't work out right 
Well, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but I'll bring up the verses again. You know, the Bible talks about that we're not called to be slaves. We're, you know, called to, called to freedom. Proverbs 22, 7 says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave to the lender. You talked about it in that sense of if God's calling you to do something with your finances, if you feel like you can't because of your debt, you are so practically at that point a slave to your debt as opposed to freedom and being able to do what God calls you. You know, Psalm 37, 21 talks about the wicked borrows, but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives, right? And it sounds like such a leap to go from, okay, the wicked borrows and doesn't pay back, but then the righteous, it does, it's not that the righteous pays back. It's that the righteous is generous and gives because I think to some level, uh, the psalmist in Psalm 37 is almost making the assumption that it's, if if you are righteous, then you have that freedom from debt that you're able to be generous and you're able to give. It, it essentially just solidifying that point that you talked about. Now, obviously, I'm not a theologian. Take what I'm saying with a little bit of a grain of salt, <laughs> but it's just something that take, taking the word and applying it to, to what you're saying. Yeah, the other element, too, is the amount of uh, brain consumption that money typically takes up Um, so i'm thinking about like the stress of money especially Mm -hmm. if you're married you have kids um like there is that burden there can i provide for my family um if you're in a lot of debt that's i feel like that weighs a lot heavier um, on you Mm -hmm. and you're you're thinking about okay i have this job is my is my job secure um, what if I lose my job? Are we going to be able to pay the bills and put food on the table? And so you're you're constantly, you know, even if even if you're not actively thinking about it, if you're in a situation like that, it's in your subconscious and it's just like constantly eating away at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was the other part of of financial peace was the the emergency fund, the you know three to six months of living expenses, mm-hmm. providing yourself that cushion. And I, I found now that. We're as we move into to the new year, and uh, we have this unsure economy, if you will. Um, you know, jobs can be at stake, and, and a lot can happen pretty quickly going into this new environment. Um, I feel that I don't have any of the stress of that weighing mm-hmm. on me right now. You know, if I were to lose my job tomorrow, I would feel fine. I would mm-hmm. feel fine. I, w- I would feel fine to. You know, rely on my, you know, three to six months, find a new job, um, and just be patient and, and live in that. Um, and so I think what comes of that is if you're, if you're freeing your mind from all of the stresses of money and all of the, you know, trying to plan everything, um, so that you can just keep providing, you free up your mind to, to do a lot of other things, mm-hmm. um, to spend more time in scripture, to, uh, get more involved in your church. Um, like there's so many, you, you don't realize how much is being taken away from you until you don't have that burden anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's so many, so much more fruit you can provide, um, to the people around you when that is no longer a burden. Yeah. And I think to build on your initial point too, of just talking about the burden it places on you, especially if you're married, right? The, the number one reason for divorce in America is financially related, 
right? Something to do with finances. Um, so if, if you want to have a strong foundation in your marriage and essentially create an obstacle when the devil wants to come through and, and, you know, try to place a wedge in your marriage, being financially free is such a powerful way to just lay the groundwork for a healthy marriage because you're right. Finances are a stressor for a lot of people. And I, I, I talk with people often about the power of a budget, the power of a plan is not that it is a burden because I think that's for people who aren't as financially sound, let's say, I think the assumption is if I have a budget, it's going to be accountability. It's going to be a, a burden on my life. But in actuality, for most people who create a budget, create a financial plan, have a financial advisor, whatever it looks like for whatever stage of finances you're in, it's freeing to some extent because it, it gives you the freedom to know, okay, I'm in a good spot. Because the reality is even if you are in a good spot, but you're not keeping track of where things are at, you don't actually know that you're in a good spot. So it's going to get in your headspace. It's going to eat away at you a little bit like, oh man, I don't actually know if things are good. I don't know where things are at. And this happens with my, my wife sometimes where I'm in charge of the budget. I run it and I manage it and I'll communicate things to her like, hey, we've got a hundred bucks left this month for, for groceries. She'll be like, oh, okay. Get, get a little bit stressed out and then I'll have to remind her like, no, no, no. Okay. Hey, we're in a good spot. If we go over yeah, a little yeah. bit, you know, we're still <laughs> saving 20% of our income. We're good. So for her, it's like, oh, okay. Now that I know all the details of what's going on, there's freedom. And it. it's like, okay, we're in a good spot. Not things are tight and we have to worry about every paycheck, every dollar that comes in. So that's super, super interesting. I have, you know, very similar, uh, experience to that. My, my fiance, uh, we've started to sort of budget together and you know, merge our finances a little bit um, to you know, kind of figure out how that's all going to work. And uh, I've had so many similar interactions where it's like, oh, you know, we still have 10 days left in the month. We're like really close to the edge of the budget. And then it's like, okay, well, let's look at all of the wins that we've had this month because mm -hmm. we're being intentional about where the money is going. And it just takes away all the stress. It's like, right. oh, so what you're saying is we're actually killing it. Like it, we're actually doing really good. Like, yeah, we might go, you know, hundred bucks over budget for the month, but like, that's incredible compared to you know where both of us were financially four years ago, for example. Right. Yeah. The the power of, hey, we went a hundred dollars over our our budget, which means we got to move some things around, and now we're only saving you know, 18% of the budget instead yeah. of 20%, you know, whatever those numbers are. I think there's so much gratification in, in that, you know, even for Hunter and I, when we got pregnant, uh, my wife and I, we got pregnant a little bit unexpectedly. And the first place I think a lot of people's heads goes, if they're in that situation, one, it's okay, I'm about to have a child. This is going to change my life. What the <laughs> heck is going on? And our brains went there for sure. My brain never went to the place of, oh my gosh, how are we going to afford this? Because one of my wife and I's first priorities when we got engaged actually was we want to have enough money in our account so that if we got pregnant unexpectedly, we could pay for it. And that was literally the number we had set in our mind, set aside of if we get pregnant, this is going to be the cost and we need to have this put away at all times. So when it happened, like the money was never an issue for us. And it just, it just goes again to show the power of, you know, when things come up, when life comes up, the power of 
having that money put aside, delaying the gratification essentially, because you know, the extra hundred bucks a month, 200 bucks a month, whatever it is on eating out or spending time with friends, going to the movies, traveling would have been fun in the moment. But then when we had to face the the prospect of paying for a birth, I don't think those uh, memories would have been quite worth it. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, the budgeting thing. Like the budget is not don't have fun. It's, it's have planned fun. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, maybe if, if you're going out with friends out to dinner, you know, once a week, maybe it would be best if you only did it, you know, three times a month instead of the, you know, every week, like mm-hmm. making those intentional decisions make such a big impact. Yeah. And I think as well, just to build on that for some people, uh, there's certainly people I've come in contact where this is the case is they make really good money. They live well within their means, but they have all this money sitting in a checking account or savings account with no plan for it. And that's where, again, the budget can help you kind of set aside and build goals. Right. That's something I talk a lot with with my clients is we need to have financial goals. We need to have investment goals. If you just come in with the idea of, Hey, I want to save money. Okay, great. For what? There needs to be a plan in place. Otherwise your heart's not going to be attached to it and you're not going to be as committed. But if you're saying, Hey, I want to set aside money for a missions trip to Israel. You're You're no longer thinking about, Oh, okay. I'm putting this money away. It's, Hey, this is so that I can go to Israel in six months and, and be able to do it. So anyways, kind of got away from uh, paying off debt and your story there, but I think it was good. I think it was fruitful. So definitely uh, Tyler, was there anything else you wanted to to add before we get going here? I just want to share, I guess the, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how maybe rock bottom you think your current financial situation is. I'm like, I have a story with my fiance rewind even just you know three years ago uh where you know she really just a a series of unfortunate events financially for her and you know granted there were there were some decisions that she made that hurt her financially but she was really at rock bottom like car breaks down don't have the money to pay for it bawling bawling your eyes out um you know and, and that can cause tension in a relationship too but you know, that stress echoes into every, every part of life. And that was a really rough time. Um, but she kept moving forward and working towards changing her, her situation. And and for her, that was, um, you know, finally graduating and, uh, now she teaches and teaching is, brings in a lot more money than what she was bringing in, (laughs) um, you know, door dashing and, working these odd jobs so and now she has that freedom like she is she has turned that corner and now the the question isn't you know do I have enough money to pay for a new alternator in my car do I have enough money um, you know to buy food for the cat this month like all of that is gone and now it's just like oh are we going to make budget you know where are we going to land and it's just so freeing. I, I've seen the change in just her overall uh, emotional state on day to day, not having to worry about those things and having that freedom. And, um, you know, I think just where she was, it's just evidence that 
you can be in a bad spot and um, you, know, you can put your faith in God that he will lead you, the right doors will open uh, that will lead you to, you know, prosperity and, and freedom mm-hmm. um, and that it will change your life. Yeah, absolutely. And not even, you know, don't want this to come off that it's a prosperity gospel thing. But the idea, you know, God, God's going to provide for us and having the faith in that. And oftentimes he'll do that, you know, practically within the world that we live in. It'll be with cash, with our finances, but, you know, really holding on to that faith that the Lord is our provider, right? And that he knows our heart, he knows our ways, and he has a plan for us. So I love that, Tyler. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. I think there was a lot of valuable insight and wisdom gleaned here, and I hope that you at home listening got something from it. So uh, really, really excited uh, for the future of this podcast to continue to bring people on, talk about their story, their testimonies with finances, how the Lord has has used finance in their life to bless them or bless others. And on the flip side, just again, how their faith influences their finances. It's kind of the, the, the question that we want to get at and dive deep in here on the podcast. So uh, again, thank you so much for coming on, Tyler. Hope you all enjoyed listening at home. We'll see you next time. Take care and God bless. Thank you for listening to the Christian Wealth Management Podcast. For more information, feel free to call our office line at 208-918-8655 or shoot us an email at service at christianwm.com. Thanks for listening and God bless.